Hello, welcome to Series 4, and today we've got a treat for you. The uh, premiere episode of uh, Season 4 shows a returning guest, uh, Johnny from Series 2, and he's going to be talking about his uh, his amazing motorcycle adventure through Vietnam, and uh, it's going to be a two-parter as well, so uh, stay, stay tuned for the, for the second part as well, which will be coming out in a few weeks' time, where he talks about his future plans. So uh, yeah, let's let's speak about that. You're listening to... With your host, Stephen. Thanks for joining me for unscripted, unedited, everything. Hello, Johnny. Welcome back. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me again. Oh, thank you uh, for inviting me back up to your lovely home and uh, accommodating the podcast for, for another two episodes. My uh, pleasure. It's helping me out greatly. <laughs> it saves people's ears from my prattling conversation constantly, so... Uh, we've got a new feature in uh, in uh, guest speak uh, this season. Uh, if we get more than one guest, that is. So uh, it's, I've I've bought like a set of conversational dice. So I've asked Johnny to pick a color and roll a dice. And the question that he got for his conversation dice was, "What are you most proud of?" So what are you most proud of, Johnny? Uh, I think easily the boys, both my kids, both the lads. Um, nice yeah, one. both my lads. Uh, loving the rugby, well behaved, well mannered, and. Uh, yeah, generally not a handful most of the time. So <laughs> only with each other. So yeah, definitely, definitely, them. mate, definitely. I've, I've, I've seen the videos and playing rugby, so I think yeah. future stars there. I think. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. So, so I've come back up to speak to you because last time we were here, check out them episodes in uh, series number two. Oh, the, the dog's going wild. It's typical in the background. Um, everyone that listens to my show knows that uh, everything goes wrong. Expect things falling off the table and other such uh, malarkey. Uh, yeah, so um, that's chaos in the background. Yeah, it was. Uh, he doesn't really bark very often, so I don't it's, know. It's what a cracking he's name for a dog, though. So I don't even care. He's he's lovely. Chaos the dog. That's just, it's it's amazing. Great so, name for a toy poodle. <laughs> exactly. Well, what else are you going to name a toy poodle? Let's face it. So yeah, so we got. Uh, so last time uh, I was up here it was ten months ago, which is scary. I can't believe it's that long ago. And that was during season two, where you talked about the Arctic adventure that you mm. had, and you talked about going to to Vietnam. Yeah. Now we're here, post the Vietnam trip. So yeah, hold on. How, how did it go? Like it, it happened, and you, you're back, and uh, I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah, we went in 30th of August, yeah. so we we're there for the best part of three weeks. Wow, uh, definitely a, a long and arduous month. I don't think uh, we expected it to be as much effort as it was, but incredible. What was the weather like? Uh, well, I, it was I saw you got the, wet a few times. Yeah, it was supposed to be the rainy season, but to be honest, it probably only rained for two or three days, and it tended to be a downpour for an hour yeah. or two hours, and then it'd be back to being thirty degrees again. Was, uh, it, was it like humid though? Because of that, was it like? Or was it, or was it this okay? time of year? It was all right. Was yeah, it, all right? it was sort of like a hot summer here. It wasn't too humid, so it was bearable. Oh, really? uh, it wasn't uncomfortable at all. I was kind of worried that like, I was thinking, oh, God, I'd love to do that. But I was thinking, I feel like I'd melt and die because of the humidity and stuff. Yeah, but... we got caught in a few showers that were absolutely biblical, to be honest, at one point. <laughs> but um, then it'd stop, and you would be driving in 30 degrees and drying out again. Yeah, so yeah, So it was yeah. fine. It's always just like that the weird weird thing, isn't it? You get soaking, but then it just goes really hot again. And yeah. then before you know it, you dry again, and it's like, oh. It tends to be you're soaking on the front riding it, and your back was dry. And then it'd, <laughs> it'd stop for a coffee and whatnot, or dry out, and then the same again. So, so how long did you go for again, was it? Uh, just under three weeks. Three weeks, was, yeah. yeah. I remember following you on Instagram, and I was just, every time when I was in the office working, and it was dreary outside, and I don't have a motorbike still, so every time I saw you on a motorbike in Vietnam, I was like, yeah. It, the intention was to try and, we based it on the, the Top Gear route, 
yes, uh, that they'd yes. done, but with the idea that they'd only done a thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we wanted to push it further. But yeah, that was the base of of what the idea was. Um, so we initially the plan was to go from Saigon to Hanoi, but go via mountains, the jungle, um, up to Elon Bay, try and really capture as much of the country as we could. So that was the initial scope for it. Well, that was what you were trying to trying to, yeah, trying to I th- get. I think it was about um, seventeen hundred miles or something. Eighteen hundred miles. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. So what bikes were you on? That's that's the main thing. Yeah, well, we looked to try and uh, find something that would be suitable out there and realise that the options are limited. You either hire a scooter yeah. or, at best, you can get sort of a 400. Um, but we found um, two Honda CRF250s sort of crosses. Mm. Um, so we went with them. Um, they weren't as good quality when we got there. Uh, when we looked on, on the website, they were saying, oh, they're 2020 bikes, they're quite new, everything will be pristine. <laughs> um, and we got there, and I think they had, 40,000 kilometers on them each wow. already. So they'd been literally muddled together. I suppose that's like probably like you find a lot of the Eastern countries are like bikes are the thing to get around on. Like, yeah. you know, it, I mean, even in Europe, like you, everyone's got mopeds and stuff yeah. like that, haven't they? So it's, it's probably like it was, could, they'd be quite new bikes, but they get absolutely hammered, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, they must have been ridden continuously for three years. Yeah. But no, they were the best we could get out there. So yeah, yeah, not yeah. too bad at all. You find, you find that in uh, countries like that. I've never, never been. Vietnam or anything like that, but um, some mates have gone. They try to hire bikes and stuff, and you, to try and get anything over like a four five hundred cc is yeah. near an impossible task. I will, I will, I'll give them a plug. We used a company called Flamingo Travel, oh, which right, yeah, yeah. at the outset sounds like a bit of a, a two bit company, <laughs> but they had the reason for choosing them was they had um, uh, office in Saigon, an office halfway up Vietnam, and an office at Hanoi. Right, so right. It allowed us to if we needed support. Um, we could literally call and they'd send somebody out. But what to be fair, we picked the bike up and it was literally like pulling up to somebody's house and they had a load of bikes underneath. Um, did all the paperwork. Um, they gave us the bikes with the top boxes and everything and gave us spare inner tubes, toolkits for changing the tires. Really? So, yeah, they were really good, to be honest. Well, that's, I mean, uh, that's that's kind of support and stuff you kind of need, isn't it? Because yeah. like, you, you're out there, you've not got any ARAC cover or anything like that, yeah. so you need, you need to know that you're going to be looked I mean, after. All, all they said to us was... Um, after a thousand kilometers or twelve hundred kilometers, can you please pull over and get an oil change? Right. And we said, where? And they said, any Honda dealership. And we thought, well, is it going to be that easy? And literally, after twelve hundred kilometers, pulled into a Honda dealership, and it was like going to one in the UK, pristine, amazing. And I remember, I remember seeing the post, and I was thinking, yeah. what the hell? We like, just pulled in and said, like, can yeah. we have oil? And they were like, yeah, not a problem. Straight right. away, did it immediately. So, I mean. It is the most bikey country I've ever been to. Everybody has. If there's any problems with the bikes, just pull over. Yeah. Somebody, there'll be. There's just a bike shop after bike shop along the roads. It's crazy. That's ace. That is. That's yeah. ace. That is ace. What do you find? What do you find? Uh, have you? Have you? Did you ever? Have you ever been to Vietnam before? Like, no, what do you no, think never. of the country? Like, what oh, did it was you amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we flew in uh, to Saigon and had three days there just to sort of. We would think get over the jet lag, but it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really have any. It was okay. Um, and. I'd been to Asia before, to Hong Kong and Taipei and places, and it was fantastic. But the Vietnamese are just the friendliest people. All yeah. they want to do is sell their country to you. Yes. So whatever we did, they were just so proud that we were there asking, you know, we were taking photos of things and they were loving it. Um, the hotel staff were always amazing. Everyone that we met, um, to put the, the, the people into um, how, how good they are. The first day we rode the bike, so like day four we were there, yeah, yeah. We got out of Saigon, which was a nightmare because we made the mistake of not having a sat-nav, um, thinking, oh, it's a straight, it's only one road. Literally, the road signs are impossible to follow. So we'd 
I think we'd been riding for like two hours and we're still within Saigon city limits. And really, we, yeah, Jeez. we had like four more hours to go and we pulled over and it was absolutely pissing it down. We're on the side of the road, like two Westerners with a map in the rain <laughs> and a moped pulled up with a guy on, uh, it was but broken English. That's where we were going. And he said, uh, he's going camping up that way on a bike. So he said, you can follow me for 50 kilometers. He, he followed us. Uh, he took us out of Saigon, like up the road for probably two hours Pulled over to a coffee shop, bought us coffee. Is that the one you had coffee with? Yeah. I, I remember seeing pictures of you like with this guy that yeah, you said it helped you out. Yeah, that was so cool. Literally. And then he was like, right, you need to download um, a sat-nav to follow. There's loads that are available. Because um, after leaving him, we couldn't download the sat-nav there. So the first day was the worst on the bikes. I mean, mm-hmm. it took us eight hours to do 200 kilometers. And, and we were literally, I mean... I, Got to the point where at the end I was ready to quit and fly home. It was that stressful. Um, in the dark, no signs, a map. It was just, I thought we're never going to get there. The thing is, though, you do, if you did that in this country, if you're like, oh, I don't know where I am, yeah. you're in an English-speaking country, it's your own country, you're fine, but, yeah. and it's normal, kind of, you're used to these conditions, it's normal roads, it's mm-hmm. normal urban environments and stuff, yeah. even even countryside, it's not that bad in this country. Is no. it? Well, the where, problem we had was that the um, EE and all the British networks are not supporting Vietnam. So you had no cell reception at oh. all. So it was Wi-Fi or nothing, really. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that was the that was all you had. So on the when we finally got to where we're going on the coast, um, we managed to find an app called Syngic, which is a sat-nav that somehow works without phone signal. So you download the maps on Wi-Fi, and there must be some sort of reception going to and from your phone still. But, some sort of GPS yeah. kind of sort of and, stuff, like I location. Mean, yeah. My friend Ian that, um, that I do the trips with, he's into telecoms and everything. He, he tried to explain it, and I said, listen... It works. You might as well be talking. Yeah, you might as well be talking French to me. You know, it fucking works and it saved the trip. You know, because we would we would not have been able to do that trip without sat nav. No, it would no. have been impossible. It's. Yeah. I think it's one of the things. Like, I'd love to. I would love to go to Vietnam, and uh, I think it's definitely to ride a bike as well. I think that'd be ace. Like, I remember the Top Gear episode myself, and I was that was kind. Of, I've always wanted to go there, and after seeing that, I was thinking that looks bloody brilliant. Like, but yeah. I think it's them things that you you're seeing like dirt roads fundamentally sometimes, aren't you? Yeah. It's like you and. If you came across a road like that in this country, you'd just be like, oh, it's a farmer's field or it's it. a, a dirt track to a farm, farmland or something. Where's there? That's what they, their it, roads it are It was like. really one extreme to the other. So we went from these like superheated highways that were absolutely pristine. Um, the rules on the road in Vietnam are you don't give way to anything smaller than yourself. You just ignore them. So lorries would be doing U-turns on motorways and not indicate, not do anything. The car just had to swerve. And obviously wow. we had to swerve the cars. But there are no rules. I mean, they said to us when we picked the bikes up, oh, it's um, 70 kilometers an hour is the national speed limit. We were going past, uh, not thinking, you just sat at 60 miles an hour feeling the speed. The police are just waving to you and like, and like sticking the thumbs up and we had the GoPros on and, and they were just loving the fact that we were there. Um, but when we would go inland, because we went from Saigon to the coast and then from the coast up to the mountains to Dalat, um, yeah. really the route Top Gear went. And... But on the way to Dalat, it was like you say, you're going from two lanes to one lane to potholed covered routes through the mountains and up to the jungles and everything. And it was incredible. But then coming back down, they were like racetracks. It was perfect tarmac, you know, pristine with chicanes, everything there. I mean, I can't believe the quality of the roads that they have there, but I suppose it's because they don't have a lot of cars ruining it. So it's just bikes. They see, you know, they're not seeing the wear. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes we would get on from the road to Natrang. I think it was was just from the mountains, literally like a racetrack for a hundred kilometers. That's crazy, isn't and it? That's crazy, incredible. And you yeah. say you got that like weird, like extreme, then haven't you? Of having 
roads like that and then go into like a whole road probably and like yeah. the worst probably road you could probably think of as well yeah so, i mean yeah. I, I can honestly say there was probably there's a few roads where we went off the beaten track and we probably the sat nav took us that way yeah um and they were really like just tracks you know i mean some of the videos were in the middle of like the jungle just completely out of our depth um thanking god that we had the the singe cap <laughs> but generally the normal a's and b roads are far better quality in this country you know this country is put to i mean it's just shocking compared to what it was like in vietnam yeah and that's that's crazy isn't it when you think yeah. about it like you're in a remote location and they've got a pristine road and then yeah. went down a high street in hull yeah it's you've got like a, a pothole a bit of lorian it was strange because <laughs> there were certain points on there that we'd seen on on the top gear episodes like the high van pass that we were really looking forward to um I don't know why Top Gear put that on there because the routes that they, they would have taken from there were so much better. Uh, coming yeah. from Dalat down through the jungle was just, it, I say it was, I think it was about 130 kilometers and it was, the scenery was just breathtaking. There was everything you can think of from ravines to waterfalls to mountains wow. to rivers to jungles. And it, it, what surprised me was coming through that country, we expected it to be really humid and hot, but we were that high up that you were going through pine forests and it was just like it's there was crazy. pines and mists and everything. And, yeah, it was one extreme to the other, then down to tropical jungle and then towards the coast. But yeah, it was basically proper, proper journey for a lifetime kind of thing. Like, you know, yeah, one I, of them experiences that'll stay with you forever kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think we, I know we mentioned last time about um, the amount of prep we put in. Yeah, yeah. But we still did the same, just using booking.com <laughs> and thinking, oh, well, that looks all right. And there yeah. were some days when it was like, what oh, made this a long time? You know, on a 250 as well. Oh, we've only got 250 kilometers. But when you're doing low speed on that on tracks you know it was sometimes 10 hours it was it was intense and that's a long time to be on a bike isn't it it's a long time yeah. on an uncomfortable you know, bike on a, yeah and a bike that you're not used to and yeah. it's uncomfortable and you've got all your stuff with you because i don't you know. think we, we'd appreciate i'd not ridden a crosser in years and the vibrations on there i had my phone strapped to the um the handlebars oh yeah the sat nav and it literally broke my phone so the camera was ruined it yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't the vibrations, the vibrations right, yeah. shot there was wow. no dampener we had obviously no cruise control or anything because they're just they're not designed for it but yeah it was insane, they, they took it? some hammer that's insane that's insane okay honestly like having ridden a bike for long durations of time on nice roads i even imagine what that was like so uh, uh, to be fair i mean considering how much wear the bikes had had we had no mechanical issues my bike would struggle when it rained that you used to have to jiggle the electrics a little bit, but it would always start. It's generally, it, it used to cut out occasionally. Um, Ian's bike was fine until he got a puncture in the rear tire, and uh, sorry, in the front tire. In which case, I absolutely blamed him and said it was rider <laughs> error. Which, um, but we'd got it before getting on the the boat to Hale on Bay. Um, so oh, everyone, yeah. you know, when you look at Vietnam, you're like Hale on Bay looks incredible. It's yeah. all those islands coming out. It was the only disappointment on the trip. Really? Because it was so filthy. Oh. The, the water was just... Um, Polluted kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like. was so much stuff, obviously. And there was oh, thousands of boats around there, just like with, you know, like chartered ferries and yeah. cruise ships and things. Um, but he'd got a puncture just before we boarded the boat to get to the island. And when we got, we were yes. sat on the boat and I, we managed to speak Google Translate to some young lad. And he said, oh yeah, my, you know, my uncle can fix that. So we like limped like five kilometers thinking, oh, he must have a garage. It was just his uncle's house. Really? So yeah, I sat there for two hours while Ian and this 
Vietnamese guy in his late 60s tried to wedge a bike up on a, a brick and a bit of I mean he fixed it yeah yeah you know yeah. but he, we, we gave him some money he wouldn't take it that's so you know, cool they were just yeah I think they just so cool. we got loads of photos and they were so helpful but I mean touch wood if someone had said the only thing you're going to have wrong with the bikes is a puncture you know and a little bit of jiggly ignition you'd have, you'd have taken oh, that kind of thing off, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely because yeah. it was just if there would have been a problem you can literally throw a stone at a bike shop over there you know you can't miss them they're all over that's so amazing like you you wouldn't think would you like it especially in somewhere that's no. remoter as well like the you know the be somewhere to repair but it's like probably the lot as you've experienced there with the punches so local people yeah. have their own i mean which, their we, own skills to do stuff anyway because yeah. they have to in a way don't they like, i mean we stopped in the jungle um and there was like a cafe in the middle of nowhere up on a ravine and we went up there and <laughs> all they wanted to do was like oh you know you've got to try this you know you've got to have this and it was they're just the best people i've ever met when i've been away they couldn't do enough for you everyone that went by would wave you know, you were going through, if there was kids around, they'd just all waving to you, because obviously we had a, quite a bit of luggage on the bikes yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. which was pretty much just strapped on as best we could. Probably thought you were famous, some famous adventurers like Hugh McGregor. Either and... that or they thought we were complete idiots, you know. Them idiots, what they doing? Two Englishmen sort of blubbering <laughs> their way around Vietnam, getting lost, and um, but no, they were, it was fantastic. Everything from the, the, the culture to the food was phenomenal. Um, every, yeah. I mean, the hotels... Because we'd gone out a holiday season, we were pulling up at these hotels that we found on Booking.com that were n- absolutely nothing, and there were five star. They were like it was like staying at, you know, the Shard and place. I had no exaggeration really? that there were these huge skyscrapers in these little towns that were just empty. You know, off, there was a few. We stayed at one resort, um, I think it was Cocoa Land River Beach, and we thought, oh, this is. It don't look great on the photos, and we got there. And it was phenomenal. That's the one where the, the big infinity pulls over. Oh, is that the one where you? Yeah, there's nobody there. Like, yeah. There's nobody there. That's, that's crazy. We're saying, if you need anything, just just give us a shout. Oh, well, who uses these for three, <laughs> four months of the year? But yeah, it was. So I suppose it goes to show like the difference in like kind of like um, cost of living and stuff like yeah. that over there. Like you know, a hotel there that's like five star mm. would would cost probably the same price as a Premier Inn over here kind yeah. of thing. Like it's just it's it was it's strange because some things were really like the price was really similar. Um, and others, there was just such a massive gap. You know, yeah. if you were eating at the hotels, you might as well be eating here. Right, um, right, as soon right. as you'd gone out into the restaurants. I mean, I, I said every night it almost seemed like we were saying to each other, oh, this is the best meal we've ever had. And then we got to Hanoi at the end, and we were looking at these little plates, and I ordered loads. There was loads of different things. I can honestly say, I was saying to him, this is the best food I've had all trip. And he was <laughs> adamant that it was some fried rice he'd had like a week ago. I couldn't even remember it. We'd had that much fried rice. But it was just... It was hard work, though. It wasn't yeah. a, It wasn't a holiday. And I think there's areas that I'd go back to. Um, Hoi An um, was incredible. And that's the one you see with the floating lanterns um, right, on the right. night time. So yeah. it's it's almost like you imagine somewhere like Singapore to be yeah. 300 years ago. Really like... Maybe I can describe it as a bit like... Um, almost like York, where everything's really ancient. So yeah. there was a lot of narrow streets around a river. Um, and that was the best place that we visited. If I was going to go back to Vietnam, I would definitely go to Hoi An. Kind of more traditional kind of yeah. What you imagine like it was? As you say what you imagine like it was like years ago kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I think there's a few. Hoi An was amazing, and when we stayed at the temples in the, the very north near the border, um, before we went to the islands, that again was spectacular. You know, we got the cable car up the mountains um, just to get off the bikes for a bit because we'd done so much riding, and by that point, I was ready to just push the bike in the pool. You know, it was like we've got three days left, and I just had. A, I loved it, but at the same point, get on the bike, it still was like, oh, Christ. Yeah. You know? 
And the I, think, I, think, I think the thing other when when when, you, when you're doing something like that, it's it's amazing. But it's every day on a bike, yeah. And, and it's and it's not short days either. No. Um, when we stayed in the north where the temples are, we stayed for two nights, and it was like right, we don't want to touch the bike for two days. Um, we got the cable car up the mountains and then hiked the rest of the way. So we went to where the temples are above the clouds, yep. um, like on a ridge. So you've seen some of the photos, the clouds are coming in at one side and yeah. it's sunny at the other. And there's like obviously people praying up there, but even you get to the top and there's little, little like market stalls and they're just happy to see you. They're not trying to force anything on you, for like sales or anything. They're just like, oh, really proud of the culture. And uh, it was just fantastic. You know, the people that were around everywhere you went, they were just trying to, you know, really proud of where they're from. Making me happy just thinking about yeah. someone being like that, really. They, they were unbelievable. I can honestly say, when we were flying back, the takeaway from that country was just the people. Straight away. As, as beautiful as the place was, yeah, and amazing as the, as the culture was, it was the attitude of people towards us. I mean, we were just so happy to see you. And it was <laughs> it was crazy, you know. And, and I, granted, we weren't in the most touristy places generally, so we're probably not what they normally see. Um, but they loved it. So and we were just like so humbled by it and wanted to just, you wanted to speak to everybody. You wanted, you wanted to be part of that yeah. kind of thing and they welcomed you in by yeah, sounds very absolutely. open arms. Yeah. Like, yeah. All the time. They're just catering it for you. So cool. It's, it's, it's so nice that like you go to, you go to a country and you know, you are welcome like that and there's that hospitality and you're kind of made to feel special almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we started it with, uh, I say we had the three nights inside, three days in Saigon and, uh, because we wanted to see the tunnels and everything from the war. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like when we were planning it, Ian was saying to me, if we're going, I'm going down them tunnels before we start. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I went along and uh, as we tend to do, he wants to do the historical stuff and I get, I'll, I'll go along and yeah, that's great. You know, I love, love it. It's interesting. But watching the conditions that they must have had to put up with. Yeah. Yeah. You can see why they're such a resolute nation and, and so, that's so like, much together. And, so and there's much still together. probably a lot of um, historic stuff that's lasted from, yeah. Vietnam War and stuff that's you know they can't forget and it's still in their the culture. The sense of national pride yeah. is, is unbelievable yeah. there, and and I think um, just talking to people that they they would go out of their way to sort of help you or to speak to you or to ask about you. So we're pulling up at some of these big hotels, and obviously some of the cities we stayed in and the towns were not tourist destinations, but they had these huge hotels, obviously for business people to stay out for conferences and things because it's all sort of changing a little bit. But the guys on the door would be like, not seeing bikes like that before. So they're right. asking to sit on the bikes and can we take a photo of the bikes? I'm like, yeah, crack on. You know, so cool. um, everyone was, you're in the middle of nowhere and people are just waving and either that or the waving going, those guys are idiots. You know, <laughs> look at them bumbling around this well, country. <laughs> I like that's all like the British expectation of it. Like yeah. they're, they're being nice to us because they think we're mental. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it was a trip that physically was really intense. Mm. Um, like we spoke before, we've done a lot of the long-distance riding. It wasn't the longest trip by a long stretch. No. But it was definitely the most physically demanding because of the bikes and the heat and the condition of some of the smaller roads and the distances. You know, when we're looking, going, oh, it's only 200 kilometers. Easy. And we do it in the morning normally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then it was like, how many have we done today? 60. And it's like, God, I've been riding four hours. You know, because the traffic sometimes was just... When you get into the cities, the only way I can describe the traffic is... You're on a junction, and it's like trying to get onto a lazy river. So if you know you're getting off further on, you want to be on the outside because you're yeah, not yeah, crossing yeah. it. You know, so you just sort of go with the flow of traffic around. But there's just thousands and thousands of bikes everywhere. And like I say, you you don't look behind you. you. If people are behind you, it's up to them to move. 
and get around you. So never ever. We didn't use mirrors once. That's it was insane. just in case of ignore the mirrors because there's too much carnage behind us. Yeah. Let's just focus on pointing the bike into Point space. Pointing the bike in a space, yeah. In space, yeah. <laughs> and then get through it. That was literally all it was. That's insane, that is, man. That's, that's, uh, uh, and on that note, I think we'll wrap up the, the first part of this. So, uh, no, thank you again for joining us, Johnny. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll have part two of the episode. So, uh, yeah, so in, in part two, we'll, we'll hear a bit more about what you're planning next. Uh, so, so tune in for part two. And thank you, Johnny. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Infinite Prattle with your host Stephen. Follow me on social networks at Infinite Prattle and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks very much.